Good morning. It's Monday, October 13th, 2008. This is Steve Whitaker at the University of Virginia, and this is Gentech Season 3, Episode 3. Um, with me today are Sean Sharp and Tina Coffey, both instructional technology resource teachers here in Virginia. Hi, guys. Hello. Good morning. Thank you very much for talking with me this morning. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, I guess over the summer, there's this, there's a, a revised document that came out that are some new instructional technology resource teacher guidelines for teachers and administrators. And today's conversation is really just going to be about that document as a starting point. Maybe we can talk for a few minutes about how that's been received so far and, and your perceptions of it. And then maybe talk about how some of the guidelines that are in there um, correlate to what you two do on a daily basis and talk a little bit more then about some future directions that maybe you'd like to see the positions go into. So my first question, I suppose, well, actually, let's, let's introduce the document for a minute. Um, from, from my understanding, this revises a, uh, a 2005 version of the same handbook. Um, and from its own introduction, it says that it basically uh, revisits that document and the intention of the program. It examines some results that came around through some studies and then offers some recommendations for, uh, for future implementation. And this was, um, this was produced by the Virginia Department of Education's Division of Technology and Career Education. Fair to say, I guess? Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. And I see that yeah. B- Billy Canaday was... Um, was involved in this. He was the superintendent of public instruction at the time, but he's since not in that office anymore. Um, and and so I know that VDOE is going through some changes too. With, with that in mind, I guess just to say that some of this may be out of date even now by the time we're talking about it just a couple of months later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So the first question I wanted to ask you is, um, I, I guess just how was this document introduced to you? Were you aware that it was coming out ahead of time? Um, Tina, maybe we'll, maybe we'll start with you. Um, well, the, you know, the Department of Education has been sending out periodic surveys for the ITRTs to participate in. So um, I do remember last year at some point in time filling out a survey, which I think went into this document. Um, but I wasn't aware that they were revising until I received it uh, via email, I think is how I got it at the beginning of this year. And Sean? So. Yeah, that's that's my situation as well. I, I remember attending a... Um, a session at one of the conferences last year, and it may have been the DOE conference or the VISTI conference, in which they talked about these guidelines were in the works. And I remember receiving the um, email survey or the the link to the survey on on ITRT stuff that Tina mentioned. And so so and then I I heard about it through the superintendent's memo that came through my email, um, and you know went to the link and downloaded it and. Look through it. So. so this for you, this came through the superintendent. Yeah, the the my original uh, was was the one of the superintendent's memos, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that was sent out from the DOE's technology uh, department. So I think that's correct in, in an email. So and then almost, I got another email from my supervisor saying, check this out. So so it almost sounds like this was um, you know what Apple computer might call slipstream. They they just sort of slipped this in without a whole lot of fanfare. Um, is that is that true? Um, I mean, sort of an un- unexpected document, I guess, that came out. You knew that maybe they were doing some revisions to it, but they, there wasn't a whole lot of it, announcement to it. Right. I would agree with that. I think. I mean, I think I was aware in a sense that it was going to happen, but I didn't think too much about it. If that's a you know, in other words, I didn't think about right. it, but it came out and it's like, okay, here it is, and you know, we'll check it out. So. 
And I didn't have the opportunity to attend the DOE conference last year, so I'm probably a little less aware of it than Sean was. Well, that's it. So I'm actually kind of interested to hear you say that. I thought that maybe this would be, uh, you know, one of these benchmarks in your in your school year where this document came out and some things changed as a result. But it doesn't sound like that's um, that's necessarily the case, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I I would say not yet. Things okay. have things haven't changed yet in terms of what I do in my position. Um, I've read through this, and it's it's been interesting to look at w- sort of the general uh, big picture, and and I guess it reflects it, to me it reflects what I've um, experienced in talking with other ITRTs throughout the state. That many of them have a variety of of things they do in their job, um, some of which I never do, and some things I do regularly. So there seems to be quite a range of things that we do in this position depending on the needs of the school and or school division. Well, maybe we can talk for a few minutes about those. I mean, we've, we, each of us has talked about this on, on previous shows, but I was sort of interested in looking through this that um, I guess they cite a few studies in this document first. And one of those studies cites something that I think both of you have spoken to before, which is that one of the biggest issues that ITRTs are facing right now is, is just the time spent solving hardware and software problems. Um, and I, th- I thought that was interesting that that, that cited as a, as a major concern for ITRTs. And then a little bit later in the document itself, it says them that, that the ideal guideline is that no more than about 3% of your time should be spent doing that. So I guess my first question is, does that still is that still true for you both about a year after we originally talked about these? Are you still doing a lot of troubleshooting right now, or has that, uh, has that situation changed? Do you, do you um, want to take it, or do you want me to okay. start? I'll go first. Um, You know, I still do a lot of troubleshooting. I've tried to shift that a little bit. Uh, We have a system here in which teachers can submit hardware and software problems to a help database, which goes first to our technicians. And I usually try to stay out of that. But where I find myself getting in trouble is um, in the halls or, um, you know, an emergency, a teacher needs help right away, come fix it. Um, and I and I think that the teachers still have this idea, and it's it's hard to move away from that. That I know how to fix it, so why don't I fix it? Kind of thing. Um, so I still spend a great deal of time doing hardware and software stuff, but I'm trying to move away from that. I like in here their five or ten minute rule um, in this document. It says if you can't fix it within five or ten minutes, to move on. You know, submit it to the help desk and move on. So I think that might be something that I will try to um, move forward this year with the teachers, but it it comes back around to support, too, from the administration on that does, as well. Does it help to have the help desk as a fallback? I imagine without something like that in place, that personal contact makes it a lot more difficult to sort of walk away from an immediate problem that a teacher might be having. Yes, a lot of times, um, one of the ways, if, it's, if, if I can't fix it, if it's taking too much time, one of the things I will do is sit there and submit it for them to the help desk or help them submit it to the help desk so it's not like I'm just leaving, sorry, can't do anything to help you out. At least I, we know we've got it in the database for somebody to come. Um, so that's helpful. And it gives us a nice documentation of uh, you know which machines are continuously breaking down, which teachers are having similar problems. Um, so it's, it's very helpful. So the... Yeah. Oh, so go ahead, Sean. 
Well, I was going to say that we have a similar system here in Floyd County, um, and we've tried to tried to help the teachers clarify uh, the issue within themselves by asking two questions. One is um, that is it is it working or is it not working? Um, and if it's not working, it goes to a technician. And if it's a how do I do this question, then it comes to me. But they do fill out an online um, uh, you know tracking. Uh, form that that says I can't do this or this software is not installed or I went to do this on my computer and this happened um, and it first goes to our director of technology and then it goes to the technician at the school and then it might end up coming to me at that point so but okay. but like Tina I also will will um, if I'm caught in the hall and it, it's going to take more than ten minutes to figure out I will often submit that form for the teacher um, just to get it in the system. I'm wondering about the databases themselves. So it sounds like the, the, this, the help desk first is a mechanism by which teachers or, or you guys on, on their behalf can submit requests for help that are eventually channeled through to the right people. But it sounds like, at least in Salem City Schools, Tina, that, uh, that data are, those data are being are mined for some other sorts of information, too, like to flag which computers are having the most trouble. Is that true in, in Floyd, Sean? To a degree it's true, although I'm not, um, I'm not sure... Myself, I'm not, since I'm not at that in that place of the in the process, I don't know how much that of that is done uh, specifically in terms of computers or or teacher issues or software issues. Um, but I, I think it's being done. So, and and I mean, obviously, you guys each have your own particular area of expertise and, and really can't be expected to look at something at a, at a different level than you are. But it, it does, to me, it speaks to this idea that each of you has this fairly large, wide-ranging number of duties, um, both with classroom teachers and then on the other side with administrators. One of the things that struck me while I was looking through these guidelines, there's a table, and for anybody that's looking at this, this is at the bottom of, of page 7 where there's a list of all of the duties performed by ITRTs with classroom teachers. Um, designing lessons and integrating technologies, modeling strategies, training on hardware and software, um, and so on down the line. And as as you all, as you guys looked at that, did you see anything in there that struck you as as um, either particularly reflective of the work that you're doing, or maybe something that that is a little bit of a mismatch between what teachers in this table are doing and what you guys are doing? Um, either in terms of the percent time. So it looks like the uh, the leading. Um, duty, I guess, in terms of time spent by ITRTs is maintaining of websites. It looks like that's almost double the, the percentages of anything else. Um, is that accurate for both of you two? Actually, in Floyd County, the websites for the schools are maintained by the lab assistants, or the essentially the um, instructional aides that work in the computer labs themselves. So they are the ones that do that. They may come to me with a, an HTML question um, or something like that, um, but generally that's all handled by them. So um, I don't maintain our websites at all. How about, how about you, Tina? Um, I maintain both of my school's websites, and that does take um, a great deal of time, especially at the beginning of school when I'm trying to get everything updated. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if that – I'm looking at – these percentages on this chart, and I'm not sure if that's really how much how much time I spend, but it, it varies. At the beginning of the year, it's a lot of time. So this is something that might change, or probably does change over the course of the school year. I guess it's important to remember that this table was the result of just a snapshot 
of you know of surveys that were filled out at a particular time of the year. Um, so there is there, so I guess there is some some change over time in how much time you spend doing each of these. Each of my websites? No, I'm sorry. Um, each of these different tasks. So early on in the year, maybe oh, you're okay. doing a little bit more in the way of maintenance or training. And then as the year goes on, do you do you have a chance to get more into this this integrative piece or lesson work? Definitely, yes. It does. I mean, the year changes it, very yeah. differently from the beginning to the end. At the end, we're focused more on SOL testing, getting ready for online things. And, and in the middle is where we do most of our um our staff development and training and getting in classrooms and that kind of thing. Exactly. I agree completely. There, there is sort of a cycle to the, to the school year. Um, and, and currently, for example, at one of my schools, one of the goals there is to get all teachers using smart boards at least once a week. And if not that, I mean, that's like the base, base, you know, minimum. Um, we'd like to get them using every day if we can. So, so that's been kind of a big push this year. Um, but but there is a cycle to it as the school year continues. Is there, does either of you see that there's a maybe a, a small subset of all of these duties as the actual the meat and potatoes of your job or what it is that you wish you could be doing more of? Sean, let me ask that's you a really first, good, that's a that's a good question. Um, boy, I, I think I think for me, and I've said this many times and in many places, um, I think one of the things that I would like to, to be able to do is to be at one school. And, and that could be ma- meaning be at one school for, um, f- you know, for a three-month period, and then I move to another school for a three-month period. There's something where I'm actually part of the faculty as opposed to just an itinerant that comes in each week. Because right now I'm at three schools, so I, I block my time out, you know, one day at each school per week, and then my last two days I float, depending on where I'm needed. So, um I, I think for me there would be that that would be an ideal, more of an ideal situation. And we've we've talked about somehow it would be great to have one of 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 this position in each of our schools, like permanently part of the faculty. You're there every day. You go to the faculty meetings, all that stuff that all the other teachers do. Um, whereas my situation now, I, I depending on what the needs are, it really dictates kind of how I emphasize certain schools. How and um. There, how do you think being in, in one place might change what your typical day looks like? Would it just be a more intimate familiarity with specific teachers' needs in one place? It would be that. It would be the understanding teachers' uh, needs and their, um, I guess, their skill level in, in integrating and using technology with their students. And it would also um, be nice to, to, to understand the students as they come up through the school. So um, those are kind of the the big things right there. Uh, The way, you know, because we're all networked and stuff, I often do work at other schools when I'm at one school. I might remote into somebody's computer and uh, and be on the phone with them while I'm walking them through the steps to do a particular activity with a piece of software, for example, Um, even though I'm not at their school. But um, I think being at one school for me would be a a positive. And Tina, how about you? I mean, are there particular aspects of your job that you you find um, you'd like to do more of I'm going to I am going to say something on on Sean's issue too because um, I think that sometimes we forget how much this job is about relationships and and we know that as classroom teachers when you're working with the students in your classroom it's all about the relationship that you have with your students and I think that's the same way this job is with on the teacher level um, 
and I think that kind of speaks to what Sean is saying about having a home school or having a place where you fit into the faculty, because the stronger your relationships are with the teachers, the more apt they are to ask you for help when they need it, to admit that they're struggling, or to have you come in their classroom. And I found, I, I cover two schools, um, one of which is considered my home school, so I attend the faculty meetings there. And I found that I have an easier because I'm there more often just because of faculty meetings and things like that, I find it easier to get in classrooms there because I have a stronger connection with the teachers than I do at my other school. So I think that that's a really valid, valid thing about being part of a faculty and being part of the school and getting to know the students yeah, and, and the groups that are coming through and that dynamic. I think I think that's important. Well, let me and, ask them. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. I was going to say uh, uh, to, to to reflect on, on Tina's comment that the the idea that um, our job is a relationship based job isn't. I don't think it's reflected necessarily in this document. Um, but she's absolutely right, Tina. You are absolutely right that that so much of our success depends on the relationships we build with our teachers, and. And, and I just think that's that's a key factor in terms of, of being a successful ITRT. One of, the, so. one of the sections in this document is about raising awareness about the program. And as I hear that both of you speak about it, I think it's not just about raising um, the profile of the ITRT program, but really what constitutes it. And so I wonder how you both might... Um, suggest that the nature of your jobs is better understood by administrators and teachers and, and, and parents and students. So how is it that you communicate and express the idea that what you do is really at the, at the basic level about building these long-term relationships? It seems like that's a, a meta challenge to what you do. You're, you're very reactive in many ways to what's going on on a day-to-day basis. At certain times of the year, from what you've both said, you have the opportunity to plan and work with content. Um, but I wonder, too, about this maybe this third part of your job where what you really have to do is to, to get people to understand what it is that you do. And I wonder if you have any strategies in mind for that. You know, that has, that has been something that we have bounced around, um, the administrators and I, on better ways to communicate that um, just because once again it's really hard for people to understand that even if I can fix their printer I don't necessarily that's not really what I'm supposed to be doing or that I have time for that and and that's that's been a really really hard thing to communicate the best thing that I have done is just tried to be very consistent in what I do and um, the more I get into classrooms and the more I show the teachers what I am supposed to do, the more that they seem to understand that. And so over the past three years, I think that's evolved somewhat. I still think that there are periods of time where people are still trying to rely on me for technical support. But I, you know, I do think that um, that's evolved a little bit. Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think the other another another not the other but another aspect to that um is 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 just ch- you know checking in with teachers consistently and regularly um and that's something i try to do at, at all of my schools um is just coming by it and saying hey how are things going uh, is there anything that you're you're working on that i can i can support you with um technology wise um you know can i can I demonstrate something to your students or whatever? And so recently I've been doing some digital video stuff with um, sixth and seventh graders um, at one of my schools. And, and, and I think that as that continues, 
the teachers, um, you know, talk to each other and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, Sean can do this, or he did this with my class, and maybe you guys can figure something out. Or um, So so I think I think touching base with teachers on a regular basis is, is key as well. What's interesting to hear, too, as, you, as you both talk about this, what's interesting to me is um, there, there are always uh, – calls for the need for professional development for ITRTs, both both pre-service and in-services continued follow-up. But, but what you're talking about is a lot harder to, I think, communicate in a professional development setting. Um, so how do you train new ITRTs to do the kinds of things that you're talking about now, which are far less technical and much more interpersonal and sort of relationship-based, where you know, you're working with teachers, there's a give and take, and it's not just a one or two time thing. It goes on over the course of a school year or multiple school years. How do you prepare new ITRTs for doing that kind of thing? Or can you? Is it just something wow. you have to do? That's, well, the, that's the a, that's a really good question. We haven't had any new ITRTs. No, and, I, and the, you know, one question I was going to ask you is in this budget crunch now, you know, I, I wonder where you, where you see this going for the next few years. Um, but, but assuming that at some point there will be some new hires, and I know that the document does call for more in this, in this field, um, how do you get them to be good at their jobs if, if so much of what they're doing is uh, this individual kind of relationship building? Well, I would think that I, I, the requirement. I'm sorry. You go, want ahead, to go, go ahead, Sean? Tina, and then Sean will. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Go ahead, Tina. Um, I I was thinking that the requirements for an ITRT are that you have three years teaching experience, um, and so hopefully people that move into this job will have some kind of understanding about how important it is, how important the relationship is between your. St- "Quote unquote students and um, the teacher, which in this case, once you're an ITRT, that becomes the teachers that you're you're working with. Um, but that's one of those things that, for me, that has evolved. That understanding has evolved over the last couple of years. The first year I was in this job, I really did not understand how important that that part of the job was. Um, so, I don't know." That, it, that's a really tough question, and and I I think I think from my point of view, um, it is it is a hard I think hard thing to train. How do you train somebody to develop relationships? Um, I mean, I guess I, I guess it could be done. I think one of the things that um, our job really requires of us is to put on the shelf our own, um, in a certain sense, expertise. And meeting the teacher where they are in their expertise on using technology, and affirming that, uh, so that they don't come away after talking with us like, "Oh, I'm an idiot. Jeez, I don't know anything." You know what I mean? And that, I mean, it really—that's that's, big. It's it's huge. So the teachers are like, "Wow, I can do this one little thing today. Great. I'll or next week or whenever I'll try it. Or or you know, Mr. Sharp will be in my room to watch me do this, or he'll be there to." To help help me with the class and and so it's just it's it's baby steps and the more confidence they get and the more affirming they get I think from us um, as ITRTs then the more successful they will be and the more they're going to want to use technology in their classroom with their students and it just sort of builds from there. One so. of the things that I heard um, early on with this job, somebody said, and I can't remember where I heard this, but they said that this job is all about being a cheerleader. 
And at first I kind of was like, hmm, (laughs) because I'm not really the cheerleader type. But the more that I thought about that, it is so true. Um, I mean, you have to get down there with on the teacher, you know, where the teacher is and cheer on every little step that they make, even if it's something to me that seems pretty simple to them, it's a big thing. And they keep needing that constant reassurance that, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so that has been an important an important concept for me, the cheerleader, ITRT as a cheerleader. Did Was that an adjustment yeah, for you, Tina? True. Was it something maybe you didn't expect going into the position? Um, it was. Maybe that was just my own understanding. As a teacher, I was a, a cheerleader with my students, but um, for some reason when I stepped into the, into the ITRT role, I guess it took me about a year to realize how how similar teaching and working as an ITRT is, but on a, on a different level at the same time, but how similar those same things that we do, meeting, meeting students at their level, cheering them on, positive reinforcement, all of those things are very true even, even as an ITRT. So, Sean? Did you, when you went into the position, did you, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, everything Tina said was, you know, right on there. So, um, one of the, one of the key things, uh, in, in, in the schools I work at for me in the, in the three years I've been doing this is helping, um, teachers that just feel less confident using technology because it's been thrust upon them. Teachers that didn't have email 30 years ago now have email, or 25 years or 20 years ago. We now have email, and we have websites to do, and we have families that expect, you know, homework stuff on the web, and how do I do this? And, um, uh, you know, so I think I think helping um, those teachers, I'm delicately dancing around categorizing a particular type of teacher here, uh, <laughs> if you can tell. Um, but, you know, helping teachers that are not as comfortable with technology just get more comfortable in time and, and start to use it in their classroom. So, One, um, one last question that I wanted to ask you both is um, there's a set of factors that are presented in the document that are, that are proposed to foster successful ITRT support, and I think there are five of them listed. Um, and these factors include communication, the availability of technology, money, planning, and then supervision and evaluation. So these five things, communication, the availability of the tools, money, planning, supervision, and evaluation are sort of proposed to be five things that, that help both of you uh, become more successful, I guess, and help you support your teachers as well as feel supported yourselves. And I'm wondering if, if you see any of those. Let's put money out of the picture for a minute because I think that's kind of a given. Um, but are, are, there any, are there any of those remaining four factors that you find more important than others? Or are they all on fairly equal footing? And, Sean, let me start with you on this one. So communication or the availability of the tools, planning, and then the role of supervision and evaluation of the work that you're doing. Wow. Is there any one of those that's sort of more... Well, I'm just wondering if, if on, you know, in your day-to-day sort of work, you found one of those to be just essential, sort of a prerequisite almost for the work well, that you do. Well, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say the communication aspect is, is the essential one uh, because we have to communicate to our, to our teachers, um, whether it's through a, a website, whether it's through a PDF file that's created and sent out, whether it's through emails that are sent out. Whether it's through face-to-face, you know, um, going to faculty meetings and, and presenting, or um, you know, the communication is key. And I think having consistent 
uh, uh, consistent professional development activities for teachers to participate in is also key, and and that to me falls into the communication aspect. So, um, and I'll I'll add on to that too. Not only the communication, but I think communication is what sticks out for me too. But not only communication among. ITRTs and teachers, but also one of the most valuable things that has helped me in this job is the communication with other ITRTs in different divisions across the state, because we're in a position where um, a lot of times there's no professional development that comes down for us. Uh, because we're the ones pushing out the new technology. So the way that I get my professional development is through the collaboration and connections I have with other ITRTs around the state. So that communication is vital for me to know how am I doing, how is my school system doing, what kind of new technologies are coming out, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's been really, really important, along with the communication with teachers. And that that's something I very much agree with uh, what, what you're saying, Tina, that, um, like, for example, I often feel isolated. I know we've talked about this a little bit at times, but I often feel isolated in my position. And it could be a geographic thing. I, I often sort of feel geographically isolated up here in Floyd, but because um, it is such a small rural school division. Um, but that is where I also sort of, uh, you know, stoke the fires for myself and get enthusiastic about things when, when I can get into a place where I'm maybe not as enthusiastic as I once was or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Sean, in a, in a, what, what would be a way to overcome that isolation? Would it be to find ways to connect with other, um, of, other of your peers across the state or the country to find out what they're doing? Or, um, you know, what, what yeah, I think, I think, I think you're, that, that's it, is, is finding ways to communicate with other ITRTs in the state of Virginia and, and even other peers. And I think there are many tools out there. There's, there are Ning sites to do that. Um, I'll put a plug in for Visti. Visti has a Ning site. Um, there's, which is Virginia Society for Technology and Education, for those that aren't aware of that. Um, there are, you know, if, if you're a Twitter person, there's Twitter. Um, I have a whole group called EdTech, and I just, um, when, I, when I'm on Twitter, I haven't been on Twitter as much lately as I was over the summer, but um, when, I, when I scan my, my Twitter feeds, I see different links to things, and I might uh, check them out and bookmark them to look at later, etc., you know, so you've got a, there's a whole network of, of 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 people out there doing what we do, and I think I think that Tina's right in that in it staying in touch with that group, um, even if you're just a lurker in in those areas, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. You know, I mean, it, it can really help. So, well, I know it's helped me every time I get a chance to talk with the both of you. It's helped me to understand um, from from your perspective what it really looks like out there. To read these guidelines is one thing, but then to hear you both talk about how. The fact, you know, that they're accurate guidelines in many ways, but they're not complete. They're not fully reflective of what your days look like. So I think this kind of communication for me is tremendously helpful. And I really appreciate both of you guys taking some time out of your busy schedules to talk about it this morning. Well, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you, Steve, for having us. Well, we'll hear from both of you at different points um, over the, the upcoming school year, I guess. So until then, folks, stay tuned. Bye. Bye. <laughs>